0: I guess I should have said, he is born. I mean, right? Christmas, Easter, same difference, right? It's all the same story. Well, anyway, we know that the prophets have spoken, that the angels have visited, and time has come. If you are a board game fan, or even just know a little bit about playing board games, you know that on your turn, you can take your player piece and you can move it to whatever the rules allow you to do, right? But God doesn't work that way because God will take other people's pieces and move them. He will take the opponent's piece and move it however he wants to. Caesar Augustus was a wicked man. I'm sure that really shocks you. But he is the devil's piece, right? And yet God uses him in order to bring his will about for what we have here. Um, Mary needs to get to Bethlehem. She needs to be there in order to fulfill the prophecy from 400 years ago. And if she doesn't get there, then Jesus can't be the cross. God's wrong, and, and he's proven to be a liar. So 400 years earlier, Micah prophesies, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one of will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. And it may seem insignificant that Micah specifies Bethlehem Ephrathah. But by the time that Jesus is born, there's three or four Bethlehems in Israel and Judea. That's just how it was. People, oh yeah, let's name this town Bethlehem. They didn't know there was another one or didn't care either way. But having this specificity shows just how much God is into the details of this, making it even uh, more faithful and accurate that Scripture is fulfilled here. But Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of? And so only this Bethlehem would work being in Judah. Beth means house of, lehem means bread. So the house of bread. And so Jesus, who calls himself the bread of life, is born in the house of bread. Just these really cool things that we can see with this. But we see here also that God moves heaven and earth to make it so that his plan is brought about into the effect that he wants. Not only does God want Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, but he wants a crowd of people in Bethlehem as well. It's not sufficient just that they're going to be there, but God has the plan that they are going to be in a stable spending the night there and that Jesus would be born in that stable. No room in the inn. And so in order to make it so that there wasn't any room in the inn, he just piled a whole bunch of people into Bethlehem at that time. Now, for Mary and Joseph, It's another opportunity for their humanity to say, really? Isn't it enough already that we're doing all these other things? Now you want us to travel 90 miles and go to this place for a census when she is ready to give birth? I think it's hard enough, God, don't you? Do you ever feel that way? Have you ever asked God, don't you think this is hard enough? Isn't it time for a little bit of relief? And... I think we do a disservice when we present Mary and Joseph as halo. And that they didn't have any human responses to this. They were just human people with the grace of God doing the things that God had called them to do. But their humanity had to have been crying out these different things that we would be crying out as well. They may not have understood everything that God was doing, but they plotted along just the same. What a great testimony for them. We see this morning in Luke chapter 2, the gospel message. It says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all of the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we don't have time to go into all the details like we did. I mean, we're in the study of of the book of Luke right now. And several months ago, we looked at Luke chapter 2 in detail. But one thing I do want to mention here is that it says that she gave birth to her firstborn son. Not her only son. Anyway. So, Mary and Joseph are being completely faithful to do everything that God wants them to do. They don't understand why they have to have this holy child in the stable. They don't know why... Um, the king of all the universe would want to be born in a stable with all these smelly animals and, and things around. Why would God want to be there in the first place? Why would he want to have this done in obscurity and unnoticed? Why isn't this being done in the presence of hundreds, maybe even thousands of witnesses? Because it would be a great opportunity. We see the family of David coming together here, and then Jesus born of the family of David, is shown to be the Messiah. Why is this not what they're doing? Well, one hint of this, I would say, is from later on, 32 years later, when Jesus starts telling people, it's not time yet. Don't let people know that I'm the Messiah yet. There was a time for that to be revealed, and it certainly wasn't at his birth, at least not to all the people. Well, time is fulfilled Mary to give birth and my conjecture is that there had to have been other women there helping her in the end I don't think that she could have necessarily done this by herself and and besides that we're gonna find out later that they are not there by themselves so some ca- compassionate women they're helping Mary to deliver like the song said the one that would deliver her why a stable Why a manger of stone? I mean, we have this, this picture here that we see oftentimes. But, I mean, look at that picture, but ignore it. Because it wasn't made out of wood. It was made out of stone. Because there was way more stone in Israel than there is wood in Israel. So they didn't make stuff out of wood very often. It would have been some kind of a, a stone uh, thing, and you'll see it a little bit later. So ignore that. And also the stable. We see pictures of the stable, and it's made out of wood. But it's not made out of wood either. It's made out of stone because it's just stony. There's stone all over the place. And so just like all the other uh, stables that are around there, this one is made out of stone, and it's hard, and it's cold. Why this way? And it's more than just because they wanted to have a stable family relationship. Instead of having thousands of witnesses, they have a few. How many witnesses? Well, it depends on how many children you have left over for the play. All right? The rest of you guys are going to be shepherds. Bring your bathrobe and try to find a stick. So however many there are, it doesn't tell us how many, but it does continue with it in verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. I would bet that all of you guys are familiar with this. Either from scripture, from reading it, from hearing it from the preacher somewhere, and if not... From Charlie Brown Christmas, where Linus gives the most important monologue ever recorded on the TV. I mean, yeah, George from It's a Wonderful Life, but no, Linus nails the Christmas story here. He nails the gospel with what he said. And over the last five decades, with this being shown to the world, he got to figure that we're getting pretty close to a billion people who have seen this story and Linus showing that he did understand the true meaning of Christmas. But instead of local dignitaries, the news of the birth of Messiah comes to the lowest of the low. Not only is Christ born in a place of obscurity, but he is visited by people of insignificance. Although these Shepherds, they seem to be better than average. I mean, it says here that they were outstanding in their field. But shepherds, they were seen, but they weren't seen. I mean, they were all over the place, but nobody ever paid any attention to them unless they came close to your house because then you figured that they were trying to steal something from you because they were the gypsies of the first century. They did go around and steal from people a lot. So of significance here is that the shepherds with the sheep that they have in Bethlehem, that's where they raise the sheep, that lambs that would be led to the temple for the sacrifice. And so Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is born in exactly the right place among the other lambs that would be sacrificed. So with these shepherds, <clears throat> Pardon me. With however long they've been doing the shepherding, year after year, I mean, month after month, day after day, whatever it is, they've been doing the same thing day in, day out, and all of a sudden, pff, you've got this angel standing next to you and the, the glory of the Lord shining around them with great radiance. And it, the shock of this may have been too much to bear for some, but they managed I guess now Susan doesn't like it when she doesn't notice me come into the room and all of a sudden she turns around and I'm there or something or I say something she lets out a little yelp with with that and so there are times when I will actually say I'm coming into the room <laughs> and if uh, you ladies who are cleaning the church here and stuff like that if I come into the church at the time hey I'm here I don't want to startle you and a lot of times it's the kitchen with Susan and she might have a knife. But anyway, the shepherds might have appreciated a little bit of warning with that also. But this is a better story. And the story that they're going to be telling to a lot of different people. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. It says that they were terribly frightened. Or King James, they were sore afraid. They were scared senseless people. And we would be too also. And so the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. Well, two things. A, it's too late. And B, it's going to take a little time. But that's actually the meaning of what the angel says here. It's not don't be afraid. It's don't continue being afraid. Don't continue being terrified by that. I I get that you're scared, and that's fair. But listen to the good news, and your fear will be turned to faith. That's what the angel is saying to him. That's what the gospel does. That's what the good news does for us. It says, I bring you good news of great joy. And isn't that the message of Christmas? The joy of Christmas should be all about the gospel that is being brought forth for us. And the angel gives the same message that the angel gave Joseph. In the story that we read last week in Matthew chapter 1, where it says, He will save his people from their sins. So the good news of great joy, I mean, it's not just that you have a day off. I mean, that's great joy for some people, but this is a greater joy than even that. And so about the time they're getting used to ha- the idea of having this angel around and stuff, not being terrified anymore, that, <laughs> a host of, of the angels of heaven, Are all around them and just imagine the glory the light that would be shining out around them I mean that would burn into your memory wouldn't it and into your retina too probably it would be something that made a big difference to you and so Jesus he's called the Lord of hosts as in more than one plural this is just one host of all of the hosts of heaven so what is the exact number of angels that showed up here We don't know. Some people have ideas. I mean, we know that it's a part of an army, and so it would be a unit that would be used in an army probably. So it's not unreasonable to think that it was a legion of angels here, which could be two, even 4,000 angels here at this point. Remember the story of Elisha? He is in this city. He's outnumbered and surrounded by Thousands, tens of thousands of of bad guys. And his servant says, Elisha, we're going to die. But Elisha had seen the armies of the Lord all around him. He said, oh Lord, just open up his eyes. Let him see what's around. And so he did. And he saw that those that were with him outnumbered their enemy. So anyway, after all this, just suddenly, and all the angels are gone. Can you imagine the inability to see anything with your night vision just messed up that bad? Oh, the glory of, of, of the Lord there, and then it's total darkness again. It would be messed up by that, I would think. But the message stuck with them, said, born unto you is a Savior, a Christ, and the Lord. And again, it's the same message as given to Joseph. You have a Savior coming. He is born the Savior of the world, the Deliverer. The one like the judges where they came in and through the power of God, they set Israel free. But this time, it's more than just physically free. It's going to be spiritually free instead. So we have the the Savior. But he's called the Christ the Messiah, the one who has been promised from Genesis chapter 3, telling us that the anointed one, the one that God has set aside and has planned to use and anointed with the Spirit of God, is going to be the one delivering mankind. And then it says, the Lord. The, not a Lord, the Lord. And we were talking about the, the angel speaking to Joseph and us seeing the whole concept of of uh, the deity of Christ with that well we see the deity of Christ with this now as well because when it says the Lord the Greek word that is used is kurios supreme authority now in North Korea we've got some guy there named Kim Jong something or other and he's given himself that title supreme leader and there's a lot of people around the world from time to time that have done exactly that they call themselves the one without anybody else higher than them but they're gonna find out that there is one that is much higher than them what the angel is saying here is that there is no one higher than the Savior Christ there is no one with more authority than him and it says a sign will be given to you and again not a hint just like we saw last week it's not a hint There was one virgin who conceived, and now there's going to be one baby in a manger that's wrapped in cloths. So, with this angel, it's talking about it being made out of stone. And so the mangers that they would have back then would be this, because that is a manger as of at least nine years ago or whenever I was in Israel. So, that's what Jesus was in Not that wooden thing, but in that cold, hard thing there. So let me ask you, why did Jesus come? Yeah, yeah, to, to save people from their sin, but that's the purpose. What was the motivation for Jesus coming? It says, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. God is pleased with mankind. He just has to separate us from our sin, which separates us from him. For God was so indifferent with the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't think it works that way. This baby is the love of God that can be touched, can, can be seen, that can be heard. And that's what John tells us in his epistle, isn't it? What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled concerning the word of truth. So apparently you can handle the truth. The song says but little lord Jesus no crying he made. I don't think so, Tim. For one thing, the crying is necessary for the baby for the development of the lungs. And so Jesus being human at this point needed to have that happen. And and who knows? Maybe it was the crying that got the attention of the shepherds that are going it's got to be one of these stables around here, but there's 300 stables and it's, we don't know. But we know that the shepherds got there in verse 15 it says when the angels had departed from them into heaven the shepherds began saying to one another let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us and they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger when they had seen him they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had had been told them. It's interesting that just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the story about the, the shepherd who left the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. Well, here we have these shepherds, leaving their flock to go and find the one who is going to find them and save them from their sin. It says all who heard the story, not both of them that heard the story, not the two of them. And so this is why I also think that there were more than just the two of them in the stable together. And we don't know who joined them, but they got to hear the gospel story from the most unlikely of preachers, the lowliest of the low. And maybe it was the lowliest of the low because they are so low that they can humble themselves and receive this Christ child. If it had been told to kings, perhaps they would not have been able to humble themselves and refused the God. If God so loves even the refuse of society, he must love you. Wait a minute, kind of sounds like I'm saying you're the refuse of society. I- I'm not saying that. But it's the, the lowliness that perhaps the love of God will cause us to be humble enough to receive this Christ that was born, who put on flesh for us. And again, if the angels had come to kings, the kings may not have been willing to humble themselves and may not have received them. And in fact, we're going to see some about that next week. But the question is, what about us? Are we going to receive the story about this Christ child that the angels have proclaimed? Are we going to recognize him as the one who has brought good news of salvation for us? Will we receive the salvation that he was born to die for, to be that Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Are we willing to do that? And there's something special about the phrase but Mary pondered uh, sorry Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart it's to take this memory and to keep it safe so as to never lose it and then pondering upon it this is a treasure that she's going to need as horrific things happen to Jesus on the cross making this able to sustain her but these shepherds do you suppose that they glorified and praised God for all that they had seen and heard only amongst themselves? See, there was a network of shepherds, shepherds all over the place, and they, they came together now and again with this network. It was an opportunity for them to buy and to sell and to trade the things that they had stolen since the next, last time they, they had seen anybody. But now they have something much more valuable than anything else they, they have ever had. They have the story about the truth of the Christ child. The gift that keeps on giving. Did you get yours? See, this is more special than whatever toy it is this year that everybody wants that stores are running out of. There's all sorts of Christmas stories out there, uh, movies and stuff, where they want the last one of whatever it is. And in fact, if you remember several years ago, there was a Tickle Me Elmo, and stores ran out of Tickle Me Elmos, and there were violent altercations in Walmarts across the world trying to get a Tickle Me Elmo. But will we humble ourselves? Will we be like these shepherds? See, if we're going to be like a shepherd, we must come. You must come To Christ, you must come to be able to see what he has to say. And we don't come to a stable. We don't come to seek after baby Jesus anymore. He has grown. He has been crucified, and he is raised from the dead. We seek after that Jesus, the exalted Jesus, the supreme without any authority over him Jesus, who died for our sins because of his love for us. And the second thing with the shepherds, you will find, if you seek for this Christ, if you look for him, and if you seek for the way of salvation and forgiveness of your sin, you will find it in Christ, but it's in Christ alone. See, this isn't a day where we have a a vacation day. It's not getting off of work for one day, it's a getting off of work for all time, for the forgiveness of our sin, for righteousness, because that comes through Christ alone. But through Christ, if you seek him, you will find him. And just like the shepherds, we must come from fear to faith. Do we have fear of death? Do we have fear of things in the world? Well, if we hear and if we understand this story about our Savior born becoming like us, so that like us he might be a high priest that can identify with the weakness of man. If we grasp hold of these things, then we will be able to humble ourselves and receive the gift of salvation that he has for us. And if you have never done that, or if you are not close to Christ like you have been in the past, Use this Christmas season as an opportunity to say, I want Christ to be born in me. Born again by the Spirit of God. If that's you, do that today. Pray for Him to restore the relationship with you that He came for and that He died for. And this will be a Christmas season that you will never forget. Well, we want to do a little bit more music as we normally do on on Christmas Eve evening. And we're going to do what we also normally do on Christmas Eve evening, which is to light candles and have a candlelight service of such. So um, if you guys, while they're singing, if you'll come up through the aisles here, there's baskets with candles in them here. Light them off of one of the, the Advent candles, and then head back to your seats and we'll continue to pray.